0: you think that you published a book said it's not a big deal all you need is a hook then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated a call from your agent and boom you made it so sorry we you think you're a liar we're older and wiser hello everyone and welcome to older and wiser a podcast about all things publishing and younger i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is kelsey Rodkey. Hey Kelsey. Hi Marissa. How are you? I am all right. It's another another week gone by. I'm waiting for it to get warm, essentially.
1: Yeah, and I know honestly. by the time
0: this episode airs, it will decidedly be warm. But right <laughs> yeah. now it is still March and it is cold.
1: <laughs> yes. It's actually we are recording this on the spring equinox. So spring is here, baby. Tomorrow it's gonna be 60-some degrees in Pennsylvania, so I'm excited.
0: <laughs> okay, so it, it this weekend, it's supposed to be nice pretty much everywhere in Massachusetts except for where I live. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Boston area, like Central Mass, like 60s, 60s, and then down like South Shore Cape is like 40s. I'm like, that's a big discrepancy, and I don't
1: like it. It really is. You guys should take like a, a day trip. Is there anywhere to like hike around there? Yeah, we just need to to follow the sun (laughs) somewhere. Truly, just just whatever you have to do.
0: But yeah, things have been things have been going. Um, Reading has sort of been happening.
1: Um, Yeah, (laughs) sort of. Kind of a. It feels like I feel like a lot of people have kind of hit the pandemic wall within the last month or two. Um, My reading was going well, and then I kind of was like, oh. I'm done with that now.
0: (laughs) Are you reading something right now? So I've actually been listening to Jessica Simpson's open book on audio. Wow. feels like a plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) You look surprised.
1: I mean, I I shouldn't be. I know you. I should have expected that. Um, I think it's more of a surprise that I I didn't know she had a book. Yeah, it came out. Last year, I think, like, right before the pandemic. Wait, Jessica Simpson released a book that came out last year? I was thinking this came out in, like, 2004.
0: No, it's all about – well, so I learned about it because I watched the Framing Britney Spears documentary. Okay. And yeah. I saw a recommendation that um, if you want to, like, know more, like, dive in. Like, I'm really fascinated by – you know, the late 90s, early 2000s pop star era and just all of the misogyny and like slut shaming and everything that encompassed that point in time. And I got a recommendation that Jessica Simpson's book was um, a really great sort of dive into that as well. What I didn't realize about her, because it was never like the, Biggest Jessica Simpson person I knew. Like, can obviously- you?
1: I don't think anyone really was. <laughs> like, I feel like she's just on the periphery. Everyone knew her, but no one was like. <laughs> well, the, it's so fan. funny too
0: because that's literally her story. Like, she wrote about Mickey Mouse Club auditions and getting passed over for Brittany and Christina, and that's kind of like the story of Jessica Simpson. But what I didn't realize about her is that she is the daughter of a preacher. So, it's a lot more, you know, God than I was anticipating. But it's a really interesting dive into the hypocrisy of Christianity in the same way that Sonia Hartle's Have a Little Faith in Me was that, like, one of my favorite books ever that talks about, you know, religion and sex and just the intersection of the two.
1: if you're listening to this right now, you must stop to go buy Sonia's book. It's called Have a Little Faith it's in so Me. Good. It's so good. <laughs> it's required reading, honestly. It it really it is. That's yeah, I've never gotten into celebrity memoirs, but I feel like maybe I'm at a point in my life where I could be into them. So I'll keep that on. My radar.
0: I really like if you're looking for recommendations, I really like Mindy Kaling's and Anna Kendrick's is really good. They're more like essay okay. collections.
1: Okay. Yeah. I had read a couple years back Carrie Fisher's one mm-hmm. called The Princess Diarist. And that was kind of like a collection of essays. And you know, obviously she uh did the narration and she had her daughter do part of it and it was just so nice. It was like a yeah. it was like a a nice hug from a crazy aunt. <laughs> Well, that's what
0: I love about these types of books on audio is that they are usually the ones narrating it themselves. So it's a nice deep dive into celebrity psyche.
1: It's kind of intimate, especially when they're talking about those things. Yeah. I'm not. I'm only rereading something right now. <laughs> That's okay. I, yeah, I know. I I just needed another audiobook. I, I love listening to them when I'm doing the dishes or I'm walking or whatever. And nothing was really calling to me, so I just decided to buy an audio copy of "You Deserve Each Other" by Sarah Ho- Hoggle, and it's even better. I think an audiobook than it is to read it because the narrator is so good at getting Naomi's wit and snark across.
0: I love that. I love like narrators for me just make or break an audio yeah. experience <laughs> like and I'm just getting into audiobooks so I'm wondering if I'm going to start to get like attached to specific narrators and
1: try to like follow them. Yeah, I know maybe like one narrator by name and I I just know she's good. (laughs) But yeah, honestly, I can be really excited for a book, but I'll listen to the sample and I don't like the narrator, so I just Mm -hmm. can't. I'll just have to read it it. like hard copy. (laughs) Yes. Cool.
0: Well, we have a very exciting episode of Younger to talk about. Today, we're going to be unpacking Younger season one, episode 11, Hot Mitzvah. In this episode, Liza learns of a potential new career Option while Lauren throws the outlandish bot mitzvah she never got to have, Kelsey deals with the fallout from her affair. Does she though? I she doesn't. I gonna There's say. no fallout. It's a terrible <laughs> description.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, let's get into the relationships. Kelsey and Thad. Kelsey starts off the episode by wanting to buy Thad a guilt gift. She insists that it's not a guilt gift. She just wants to give him a watch. For being a great boyfriend. (laughs) Even though Um, he is trash. (laughs) He's an awful boyfriend. Just admit you feel bad because you cheated on him. But you know, like, the best way to work towards not feeling bad would be to maybe just tell him.
0: Yeah, and that is, you know, Liza's point of view. But it comes off as quite hypocritical in this moment. You know, talking about the importance of honesty in a relationship.
1: Yeah, but you know what? By the end of the episode, that is the one that gives Kelsey a guilt (laughs) gift. (laughs) And instead of being upset by it, which one could expect from Kelsey because she's very dramatic and hypocritical herself. She's like finding it hilarious, essentially, and tells him that she was going to give him a watch. (laughs) I think they deserve each other at this point.
0: Actually, that is very fair. Yeah, she is definitely relieved. Almost yeah, like you see the sense of, of like her her shoulders were like at her ears and they just sort of like relax. She's like, "Oh, he's a cheater too." Great, yeah. Like <laughs> we are, we have leveled the other. playing field.
1: Yeah, I think what she did was worse, just because we had like a relationship <laughs>
0: with her client.
1: Yeah, but you know what, if they both see that in each other, and they're okay with it, then good for them.
0: (laughs) You know what, Thad didn't ask any questions,
1: so. No, (laughs) I don't think he cared.
0: (laughs) Oh, they're like, let's be monogamous now.
1: Yeah. Let's break up. (laughs) Like, I thought that they were already trying to do that. And why would you feel bad if like, you weren't, and you both knew that you weren't. So Mm. it was kind of a confusing little moment. But yeah, they should have just broken up. Definitely. But again, if they're happy. <laughs> yeah, and th- but then you get that that shot of him dancing with
0: Kelsey and then very clearly looking at other women. Yeah. So it's just like...
1: Classic Thad. Class- yeah,
0: not even being subtle.
1: A new relationship alert for this episode, though. Lauren and Maggie. Yes. <laughs> this is the beginning of Lauren and Maggie. <laughs> um, I love that. You know, Lauren throws this hot mitzvah. She felt like she was ugly and couldn't enjoy her bat mitzvah. (laughs) So she threw one 13 years later. And she she said her main goal was to just kiss who she wanted at the party, which raises a lot of questions about her first one. Did she kiss someone she didn't want to? (laughs) What's going on with that? But she chooses Maggie.
0: Yes, we love to see it. Lauren is the best like she's just she
1: she brings so much joy
0: (laughs) she really does and you know i really respect this i think that 13 is a terrible age to have such a like big ceremonial moment it is the most awkward (laughs) like oh my god the pictures from my bat mitzvah like i totally respect this this move um are
1: are you planning this next year or i guess it would be later this year
0: you know, the pandemic really threw a wrench in my in my hot mitzvah preparations. It's going to happen though. I love the way that like she relates her Torah portion back to herself too. It's just it's also beautifully executed. Yeah, just like grown-up bat mitzvah. There's always way more adults than you would think would be at a bat mitzvah anyways because it's like more for the parents, it feels like sometimes than the kids so I respect that
1: yeah I would love to attend someone's hot mitzvah it seems like it would be so fun I just kind of want like a Lauren in our in our live
0: me too but I also would be very upset if she gave me a shot of Manischewitz and Molly
1: (laughs) yeah don't drug your friends (laughs) that's rule number one of friendship is like don't drug them
0: no 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 or yeah Get consent.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, just let them know. <laughs> they can make their own choice.
0: And that that scene really was where
1: everything unraveled for Eliza. Yeah, and honestly, that's where it started with Lauren and Maggie, too. They were <laughs> drugged up when they had a kiss. And then everything went to hell for Josh and Liza. It started with her just being grateful for water. <laughs> yes. She said, I love you. <laughs>
0: Yes, the first I love you's, the truth.
1: Liza tells the truth. She does. It took 11 episodes, but she did it. Even despite being drugged, you know, she sobered up and realized she needed to tell him the truth because she does love him.
0: Yes, I I love Josh's initial reaction, too. He's like, yeah, like sometimes I feel like a 90-year-old fisherman. I get it. (laughs) I get it. I feel old, too.
1: (laughs) That's a big uh, millennial mood. I think we all just feel slightly older than we are. While I think acting and also feeling younger than you are, it's a weird experience. But I too feel like a 90-year-old fisherman sometimes.
0: It it really is a mood. And she, you know, doubles down. She's like, no, like, cause she this was her. This was an out, right? This was like she oh, could have, yeah, backed backed up here. But she doubles down. No, really. But then she just like immediately runs away to Hava Nagila.
1: <laughs> she she got pulled away. Yeah. She was going to stay, but it was a convenient
0: It was a convenient <laughs> pull away. Yeah. On that chair, she goes.
1: <laughs> to like make awkward eye contact with the boy she just <laughs> devastated. <laughs> She's
0: running away. Which like. The Haba and Aguila chairs, that is like a sacred space. That is not just for anyone like willy-nilly to, to rise up. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. I was going to ask about that because you see it in all these movies and shows. It's just like always random people. It's just like whoever the lead of the show or movie is. But I, I always wondered about that. It's not just random people get to ride on the chair. No.
0: It's for, <laughs> you know, the it's for Lauren and Lauren's yeah. family.
1: <laughs> like
0: Liza. Convenient.
1: They're best friends. Yeah, that's, so that cool. circle
0: of closest friends was very interesting because it was literally just like all the principal characters in the show. I'm like, Lauren must yeah. have this whole other life that we don't even know about.
1: That's what I like in one scene you see her like dancing with someone and it's like, okay, who's that person? Mm. Like and then she goes over to the the principal actors.
0: Oh, she's like, my closest friends that I yeah, am it's like,
1: going to drug. Here's the Brooklyn lesbian, the girl my roomie works with and her boyfriend. It's just what a a weird group to be like, yes, they are my closest friends. Let's have Molly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What did you think about the reveal in terms of, like, the execution?
1: I I like how it came about where it was kind of like Liza realizing, you know, I'm in really deep. I need to be honest with him. But otherwise, it's, like, completely out of the blue. Like, you're not expecting it. And the entire episode kind of <laughs> doesn't even lead up to it. It's, it's so random. Yeah,
0: it feels... Like, I, I like the spontaneity of it, too. But yeah,
1: like, it, it did... would happen like that in real life, but...
0: <laughs> and I do see, like, the seeds being sown in the episode, right? Like, it's very clear, like, the hypocrisy with Kelsey at the beginning, and then this whole book doctor thing that we will get into, <laughs> uh, where she's basically, it's a it, the plot of the book mirrors her situation. Yes. But it did feel like the hot mitzvah was an interesting choice to be the location.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, okay, we do have these little lead-up moments, but what would, would that have happened if Lauren hadn't drugged them?
0: Right. It does feel weird when big plot things happen, when characters are not exactly sober or in a place to, like, give consent or to, like, I don't know. It's just – it feels like it takes some of their agency away.
1: Yeah. It's like a plot device getting them high.
0: Yeah. It's like when but two characters it, kiss for the first time because they just drank a little too much. And yeah. <laughs> I never liked that.
1: We don't know if they would actually do that if they had control, mm-hmm. more control.
0: Yeah, definitely. Before we jump into the book doctor plot, I didn't want to forget about Charles in this episode. It's <laughs> just like... The- <laughs>
1: i mean you could dude every time he talks to her it's just so (laughs) creepy
0: what he's just like you sound 40 i know your secret you're a writer writer." (laughs) it's like
1: it's like twilight like say it (laughs) i'm a writer (laughs) no but he's also then talking later about the chemistry meeting with the author and he was like, you're very pleasant to like be around and to talk. And then he's like this awkward pause and he's like staring at her with his creepy eyes. And he's like, be "With," <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you don't know what it's like to be with her, stop. So creepy. He's like early seeds of Charles
0: is just,
1: ugh. Yeah, and they're they're so infrequent sometimes. I feel like that it's like, were they trying <laughs> to set something up there? I mean, I would say season one is like definitively like Josh is the only love interest.
0: Yeah. No, I was just to add to that going to say that it almost feels like the writers were kind of making it up as they go and they weren't really sure. Like they there's this they're like planting the seeds, but they don't know if they're going to water it. Like they're just they're just throwing it in there. Like maybe this will blossom into something
1: yeah, but they're it also testing could the water. not
0: and that would be fine
1: too. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why he comes in so late in the season. And his uh first introduction to the audience is just so like lukewarm. He he doesn't really make an impression. And then I think he disappears for another episode. <laughs> it's just a, it's a bizarre character introduction like overall throughout the whole season. But it changes.
0: I, I agree. I'm going to be paying really close attention to like when that switch flips, right? Like when Yeah. when Charles becomes appealing because I definitely felt it in real time. All of a sudden I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this man."
1: <laughs> it yeah, hasn't I mean, happened I, yet. <laughs> yeah, there are moments, but there's not anything solid like you said like that that flip. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well because right now there's just nothing if anything, he's just creepy, right? Now. right. <laughs> I mean, like Liza is into it because she's older, <laughs> but she is still firmly like in Josh land. So, totally, um, there's not much reciprocation.
0: Not at all. But yeah, I think this leads nicely into the publishing segment of this episode. Liza's a writer. Who, who,
1: who could have thought?
0: <laughs> Someone in publishing wants to be a writer
1: Can't relate to that at all <laughs> Or even just can write Like it's, you're reading a lot of books You know it's bound to happen I have so many questions About book doctors Do they mean ghost writers?
0: Okay so that was my question too Because I personally have never heard this term before In the industry um, So I looked it up and I found some, like, old, like, Writer's Digest articles from, like, 2008, 2009. and Okay. So this is definitely, to me, this feels like a dated term.
1: They just didn't bother to get the updated
0: <laughs> term. Yeah, because what I'm getting is that book doctors essentially take a bad manuscript and rewrite it.
1: Yeah, whereas a ghostwriter typically would just start from the beginning. Yeah, or get
0: an outline (laughs) from the
1: creator
0: or from the publisher.
1: Yeah, and so what I don't understand with this book doctor part is, okay, the author, she went through and she wrote it. Kelsey's her editor and is apparently not revising with her. She's just going to hire someone outside of the publisher to be this book doctor for it instead. I, I just have so many questions because this, author supposedly has several other books out she said she has fans so i'm curious if this is new why she suddenly needed a book doctor why kelsey an editor knows so many off the top of her head i i just don't understand
0: yeah it's really confusing to me too because to me it just seemed like kelsey didn't want to do her job and edit the book
1: yeah it's just like okay didn't you acquire this book? Why aren't you just doing the work you're supposed to be doing? How did you even become a junior editor?
0: And like, because the critique she was giving was just like repetition of phrasing. It was like very like line edit level.
1: critique. Uh, the copy editor. <laughs> <laughs> repetition. Did you want this? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's very confusing to me that there would be a whole manuscript that you would put an author through writing an entire manuscript that you had no intention of publishing.
1: And they're apparently at the point where they have a cover and they're talking about it, its publishing date. But they didn't say when, but it's like apparently fast approaching and yet they don't have a readable manuscript. <laughs> so I'm just so, so confused.
0: Yeah, and isn't Charles like – we gotta get on this because we might have to put the
1: push the book back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh well, okay, don't worry, we'll just hire Liza, who's not doing her own job, to then write this book for this author who has several books out and apparently nothing else to do. I mean, why isn't she just doing the work? It's so
0: confusing. It's really it would so make, confusing.
1: It would make more sense if the author was a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand the, anything about this book deal.
0: No, I don't either. But Liza is leaning into the opportunity. She's very much pulling a, like, I found it very relatable, the balancing of the day job with the writing um, and just like that montage of her working on it and then she's like fi- finally just like on the floor and like
1: <laughs> yeah very relatable just, like that is a mood except she was writing in a text editor yeah like, I was not like, like... <laughs> not like word or something there's no <laughs> it doesn't it's not in the right font it doesn't have spacing like I just...
0: I was like is she writing in Corey or New <laughs> like you monster <laughs> Who does
1: that? She just opened the first thing she could think <laughs> of and started writing. Which, you know what? Good, good for her. She's doing it.
0: And then she has lunch with the author. <sighs>
1: and tries to yeah. to get inside her head. I would have liked a follow-up on that because uh, the author is not happy at first. And then she seems to vibe with Liza. But when Liza gets back, all excited, Charles says he just talked to her and she hated Liza. Better luck next time. <laughs> You're just too young. <laughs> Diana seems kind of annoyed with Liza in this episode, and I don't blame her because her sister <laughs> never doing her job. She's always doing extra work for a department she doesn't work in. Yes. Is this what? the episode that she ha- that she has an interview with her friend's daughter? Yeah. Yeah, she's already shown Liza, like, you're replaceable. Start doing your work. <laughs> yeah, look at all of these
0: young white women who
1: could fill <laughs> your shoes Look at all these Ivy League white women that want to make a crappy salary being yeah. my assistant. <laughs> You're not special. <laughs> not at all. I respect
0: that power move, though, to just be like. Yeah. But also, Diana, maybe just say it. <laughs> yeah, it's very passive aggressive. But like, I think we I've said this before. I am very passive aggressive. So I always appreciate a good <laughs> passive aggressive play.
1: Yeah, I, I just appreciate Diana. So like, she can't really do any wrong for me.
0: Cool. So moving into the critique section, they should have just been auditioning for ghost writers, right? Like,
1: yeah, that that could have just been the thing. Like, (laughs) it was very disorganized and chaotic. It should have just been an episode about hiring ghost writers. And yeah. Anything else for you?
0: Yeah, no, that was that was the big thing for me. I just think that Book doctoring was very disorienting for me. I feel like it's if it was actually a thing or enough of a thing, I would know about it. We would have heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which makes me feel like it's really not. And I think it would have just been more seamless if, you know, this author was like a C-list celebrity who needs a ghostwriter. Yeah.
1: That was m- – I- There's a little confusion on who she is.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: they don't really ever explain it, but I thought she was a celebrity at first. That would kind of explain why her her book wasn't written as well because she's just she's not a writer. But instead it was she's just a writer and she's and she's bad. (laughs) Great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So okay. So I just thought of something. So we could have gone in two directions here. There could be the ghostwriter approach, or we could have had the story about how Kelsey could not connect with this story and like Liza reads the manuscript and comes up with better.
1: edits. That would have, yeah, that would have been much better. It also creates conflict then between Kelsey and Liza and also makes Liza a little more suspicious, Mm -hmm. you know, for Kelsey. Um, Because right now Kelsey has no doubts in her mind that Liza is a 26 year old. But yeah, that would have been really good.
0: I just want to see Kelsey doing her job one time. It's like as soon as she gets a book, she's like, okay, need to find a book doctor. I'm
1: like, edit. Yeah. Edit. or Or here's some line edits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to see why Kelsey likes this job. <laughs> like we, we kind of feel like we know Liza would like it. She likes books. She likes feeling helpful, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But why does Kelsey do this? Because she never seems to actually be editing the book. She never seems to be really acquiring books, except for Bjornberg's. And that was only because it was like the hot new thing. (laughs) And it was pretentious enough that she wanted to sound like, you know, (laughs) she has this book that nobody else does. But yeah, why does Kelsey like her job? Unclear. My only critique for the episode was that I wanted way more hot mitzvah. I just feel like Lauren is such a great character. In the last episode, we get to to meet her parents. And then this episode, we get her hot mitzvah. I just want more of her all the time. And I want more very casual, funny, like Jewish things. (laughs) It's like very nice that it's not like a thing. It's just there. (laughs) and it's accepted. And I like that. How how did you feel about the representation of this hot mitzvah?
0: I think that if it was anybody besides Lauren, I would probably be tearing it apart because I am like <laughs> a bot mitzvah purist. I mean, we talked about Gordo's bar mitzvah on Lizzie McGuire, and I was so, I was so like, this is barely, yeah. and it was the same thing where the the bar mitzvah actually ended up being like the last five minutes of the episode, even though that was mm-hmm. the title of the episode. So yeah. I agree. I mean, this was called hot mitzvah. We should have at least had like 50% of the episode yeah, be hot mitzvah.
1: Least, yeah, or at least preparation for the hot mitzvah. I mean, like I get that it, it's a very like Lauren <laughs> version yeah. of an adult an adult bat mitzvah. But yeah, I would have just liked more... more
0: (laughs) yeah um but i think that what we got was so fitting for her character and like i didn't find it to be like disrespectful in any way because it was just so true to lauren and how chaotic and just her energy
1: yeah definitely
0: so it definitely worked for me i love learning that her middle name is tova yeah yeah we We love a hot mitzvah. we love Jewish representation in all forms,
1: <laughs> except <laughs> except when it's bad
0: <laughs> good Jewish representation in all forms, yeah,
1: yeah, and I'd say, like you said, this is good representation just because it feels very much like Lauren,
0: yeah, and I feel like there there's always or a lot of the time there's like unnecessary like. There's a shot at Judaism when these sorts of things happen and, like, unnecessary anti-Semitism kind of, like, weaves its way in or they, like, fall back on stereotypes and tropes. And I really appreciate that this episode did not do that. And everyone yeah. was just really chill and cool and respectful. And interested. Like, and, yeah. yeah, it
1: was. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, this episode wasn't out to teach people anything.
0: Right. Exactly. It was just kind of
1: presenting it, how it would happen for Lauren and everyone was just along for the ride and they're like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Josh was very into her Torah portion that she just summarized. (laughs) Yeah, no actual Hebrew happened, but it's okay. She just gets up there, speaks in English for about five seconds, and then is like, okay, let's party. Yeah, l'chaim, bitches.
0: (laughs) Cool. So um, this brings us to our six-figure advance.
1: I think we're going to have the same one. Lauren. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, why Why, Lauren? I mean, I agree, but yeah, <laughs> why?
0: I mean, it was hot mitzvah. It was the moment where everything kind of came together, like all of season one, the, the whole secrecy arc culminated in this party. Um, her, the methods of getting them to Liza to reveal the truth was very unethical and questionable. But I can't not give an episode titled Hot Mitzvah to anybody else but Lauren.
1: Yeah, that's fair. She would be, she'd be my second just because, yeah, she's Lauren. She's great. <laughs> I picked Liza.
0: I figured that, that because that was the other choice because she
1: told the truth. <laughs> because she finally told the truth. I'm so proud of her. And also she went after the writing gig, you know. That's a really brave thing to do putting your writing out there is scary, as we both know. And to do it at your place of work is probably even scarier because you're seeing these people every day afterwards. And if they would have told her no, or her writing wasn't up to it, that'd be a lot to deal with on a day-to-day basis after. So I give it to Liza for being brave and doing the right thing for once.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely.
1: Yeah, so so the six-figure advance goes to Lauren, and then Liza edits it.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Wow, that was just, we're almost done. Season one. No.
1: Yeah, and honestly, out of nowhere, this is, just hits you at the end. Like, yeah, by the way, there's one episode left. <laughs> I can't imagine what it felt like to have that bombshell dropped and then you have to wait a week and then you have to wait a whole like you know, I know two three seasons cool so do you have a podcast to recommend
0: so this week's podcast recommendation is book friends forever podcast hosted by grace lynn and alvina ling in this podcast, children's book publishing secrets are revealed as we listen in on fascinating, unguarded insider discussion from two uniquely qualified best friends award winning author illustrator Grace Lin and one of NYC's top editors, Alvina Ling. Go behind the scenes of Kidlit and catch a glimpse of the lives of the best selling author and editor and the relationship between them. So, this podcast is super cute and super special because the hosts have been best friends since they were children. Um I believe like they were like really close. I, I listened to their origin story f- back when the podcast started, so the details are a little fuzzy. But their origin story is they grew up together and then sort of like, you know, went their own ways um like in college and then reconnected. And they're both powerhouses in publishing and they just they just have so many great stories and so much great content um, on the publishing process from both the editorial side and the author side. I love that. Yeah, it's really sweet. I love when you can feel the friendship and intimacy between the hosts and it really comes through on book friends forever. Awesome. Cool. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram.
1: And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at Krodk on Instagram. We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger. The end.